How many accents are in the UK? I did see this one on the chat. God damn it. At least you're honest. At least you're honest. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was going to be like, also, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I think that's quite a few, but never heard somebody say 52. I mean, probably there are a lot. 52 would be a lot. I call bullshit. But I mean,. I mean, the whole place? I mean... I call bullshit on the fact that how do you distinguish them? Oh, like, how well, do you, you draw can, a line? You can tell there's a difference. It's just, it's like assigning it to a particular dialect. Yeah, but even like Staten Island and New York, you kind of say New York accent. And yeah. then some people, if you have an Italian dad and you're from New York, or you have a Polish dad if and you're, you're from New York, like, is that too... Yeah, or if you're from Long Island, Long Island, you can totally tell that one. I don't know. I just feel like there's so... You'll know about it. Yeah, or a different... Bit. What if you're from New York and, and your dad's Italian, but all you do is watch, like, California podcasts? You know what I mean? Like, my point exactly. is that... Yeah, the slang or whatever so... Yeah. Malleable. <laughs> we live in a place that has no accent, so... That's what people say. Yeah. But if we go somewhere... I know, do we, we sound like we have an accent other than not sounding like you? I think you have an accent. Slight accent. Yeah, I don't know. Where, the, where that, does it show up? What are the hallmarks? It's the general, like, uh, it's just the general American one, really, because so much of the, like, as you say, the pop culture that anybody else consumes is largely from the West Coast. Yeah, LA. So you're gonna that just kind of seems like the American accent to a lot of people. I think. I think that's why they say we don't have an accent is just because we are America. But then, if you ask someone, like, if, if say we've never mm. met, me and Mumby, ladies and gentlemen, Ollie Mumby, designer extraordinaire. The man behind the bear, the best beard in the game. Have a, he's had many a com- he's had many conversations with many of us for many hours. But say you didn't, and I just said, "Hey, give me an American accent." I feel like you would do like a Texas thing. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I think if you say Texas to somebody, they'll try and do a Texas accent. But if you're just talking about like straight up American, it might come out somewhere around the West Coast, California. But it's um. Yeah, because Oregon, Oregon sounds like us, Washington. And a lot of new, the other thing too is New York, it's native New York. Because there's so many people that live in New York that talk. I don't want to say normal because that sounds offensive, but, <laughs> you know, with no accent. Or Boston. You go to some places of Boston, you just hear a little yeah. twang, but you go to like Southie and these guys, yeah. like. <laughs> you can you can take a swim in a Southie accent. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, when I was in Boston, you can really hear that twang. That is a proper, yeah. strong accent. It's a bit like in the UK. If you ever uh, go up north, that's really when you're going to hear it the most, I think, in terms of like, an accent that you wouldn't consider to be just like straight up British. I'm probably from the place where most people say, I don't have an accent relative to the UK, a lot like you with America. Yeah. Yeah, up north, and you're going you're gonna to feel it there. Yeah, I, um, in high school, I did a play that uh, I did. The importance of being earnest, which is a British play, obviously. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I basically absorbed the accent of a an exchange teacher that we had in the high school who was from Yorkshire. And so I sounded completely wrong wow. for yeah, the play. For, for the play, but it was just it was that was the easiest way for me to to just suck up some kind of accent. I think I've done one too. Crazy, but you go like, uh, is it Cockney? Yeah, uh, I just like yeah, went Cockney one. on it. It's just because that's maybe what you hear. That's like what you would hear in an American movie of a dude doing an English accent. 
If, yeah, if, probably. Probably if, that kind of representation of it. Yeah, it's just like so distinct. If 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 all mm. the British movies you watch are My Fair Lady, yeah, that's, that's, I, don't, I don't watch anything. I don't even know. I don't watch anything with an accent. I don't know where I could, but I can do accents okay. You've seen uh, James Bond, maybe? What's his? Yeah. What's his considered? Well, which one are you talking his about? Is very good point. Uh, I was raised on uh, Brosnan. Is that his name? Pierce. He's he's Irish. Oh, fuck you, Pierce! You, <laughs> <laughs> there goes my childhood. He was yeah, the one I, I was mean, generally because James Bond's meant to be that kind of gent, that refined guy. So I think he's got a fairly well-spoken English accent. And what's yours considered then? Is it by city or is it like? Are you not? Are you not a gent? I thought we hired a gent, dude. If, if you're, <laughs> if you're generally kind of from the southeast, you're just going to sound like the general accentless kind of um, way of talking. But yeah, there's definitely a kind of a difference with the James Bond, like upper class tuxedo wearing kind of guy. And where does Shrek's accent come from? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a Scottish accent. Oh, that okay. is a strong okay, Scottish okay, accent. Okay, okay. But, uh, <laughs> um, fat bastard. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, my, no, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Myers dad was a Brit. Oh, makes sense. Oh, oh because yeah. And, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, yeah. Yeah, yeah what's that? Is yeah. that the normal, just regular Brit accent? Yeah, I mean, it's, kind of, it's very, like, hammed up kind of British accent. Yeah. Sort of like, I think if Americans were to think about what a British accent is, yeah. that's what he's doing Yeah, there. baby. I, I, yeah, you know, exactly. I heard, and I have no idea if this is true, but I heard he did the entire um, voice track, the Shrek, in, like, a totally normal American accent. And then he was just playing around with his fat bastard Scottish voice. And then he started saying some of the Shrek lines. The producer's like, no, 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 that really works. And they went back and did the entire thing again in Scottish. I have no proof for that, but I heard it somewhere. And I'd like to think it's true. It kind of makes sense. Like, why would you automatically think Shrek should be Scottish? Yeah, I don't know. But it's speaking yeah, it's of... A weird one, isn't it? <laughs> this is totally unrelated, but it is related to things that happen in movies that may or may not be true. I heard today something I'd never heard before, that Andy Serkis did not actually perform Gollum in Lord of the Rings, he act, it's actually all animated. Oh, instead of having the dots on them? Yeah, it's not It's not a performance capture. It's literally all animated. Or maybe just the face. Sometimes they'll do just the face, I think, yeah. and not like the moving. No, mm-hmm. I, hear, I hear none of it was... None of it was motion. Some of those behind the scenes, although I'm 32 and probably shouldn't be so in. But I mean, we'll get to it, Mr. Designer, and who helped us really build out the motif of all this and really change. I've always kind of been into this stuff, but you did help change my view on attention details and stuff, as long as with Jim and the team to really step up our game. But um, I'm 32. I'm an adult. But I I like to be (laughs) fully immersed into... I'm a legal adult. I like to be fully immersed into my movies and stuff. So I've seen like Instagram will post like behind the scenes shots from Space Jam and you see like two guys in green suits and they're on each other's shoulders talking to the real Michael Jordan on set. Yeah. And yeah, it just ruins my life. I don't ever want to see that kind of stuff. I want to think there's an alien there. And I clearly it's a cartoon, but it just ruins the whole fucking thing. Oh, it doesn't doesn't make any difference to me at all. I hate it. Those are things that don't make any difference to me at all. And I've talked about this before, but like any movie that I'm watching, I'm getting a good idea of where it's going early on. Yeah. And there are very few actual surprises to me. I I seldom, because stories work particular ways. There are machinery, there's machinery around stories. And we've talked about this before too. Like you watch a movie almost as like a director. 
And although I like to think I'm a creative and I've been in plays and musicals and I understand all the story, I like to numb my body with popcorn and numb my face with the movie. I'm just there for the ride. See, this is why I really want to see Tenet yeah. because they say you can't understand what the hell's going on. And I need a little bit of that. I need that a little is, uh, bit of total confusion. And Tenet is excellent. You saw it? Yeah, I just went to go see it in um, IMAX. So it's like the the BFI one in London. It's like the largest screen in the UK. So it's just super disorientating in every aspect. It's so huge in front of your face. And yeah, then yeah. multiple timelines are happening at once in the same scene. And it's just crazy. That sounds completely crazy. Yeah, I think our movies are just mm-hmm. opening, um, opening up. So yeah. I assume you could see it somehow. Like not so much. I don't know if they're really open in the county. In our I haven't county, so much. You can go a little bit to the next county or whatever and and see some stuff. How, are are you guys closing back up over there? I'm I'm seeing like maybe some of my yeah, British it's, followers. Uh, it's, it's being done by region mostly. So um, I think you're seeing some more of the places in the north being hit quite badly, but generally down south and in London, um, they're just keeping things loose for the time being. But I think it'll probably, I think we're going to hit a second lockdown in maybe two, three weeks. Quick question. Um, I'm getting some heavy delay. I can hear everything I'm saying back. Yeah. Is there anything at your end you could potentially fix? That's like the most, remember the app that That's came a good out? question. I don't know. It came out like, I don't know, three years ago. It was like a mini trend that you like listened and talked and then, it just reverbed your voice in a certain way that you could no longer say words. Do you remember that? No, that's absolutely mad. Yeah, so like it's just a certain amount of delay or reverb that it like literally shuts off your brain and you just can't talk anymore. Yeah, it's chopping up a little bit on our side. Not that much. I don't know what's happening, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's a bit choppy. And what kind of city are you living in, dude? Where's the fiber? No, I've got I've got fiber right oh, here. Oh, do you? Oh. Yeah, well, we Central London, yeah. We for whatever reason, like I I forgot the adapter. We might be running a little bit fast, but we're actually. I mean, this this connection is, is oh, yeah, it's working. Thousand, hopefully, thousand down, two fifty up. It should be decent. I mean, it works okay. It might just weird. be the app delay. It, it could be my computer too, because it's starting to get long in the tooth. Mm. Um. So anyway, we may not have a hell of a lot of time here that that we get usable video. So let's talk about something. Um, uh, why design? <laughs> School was uh, architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Original yeah, yeah. thought, and then you gave so, up on that world, and now you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Us. So um, coming out of secondary school, um, I thought I wanted to do architecture. That ended up being a horrible idea. Wouldn't really recommend it to anyone. Um, but I found along the way, when laying out my portfolios or these buildings I was presenting, the typography and illustrations were really, really satisfying to me. So I just started to get me down the rabbit hole of graphic design in the first place. And then once I decided I was done with architecture, I thought, let me just give this thing a go. And um, you know, two years later, run my own business with it, and it's it's going great. Absolutely love it. What's uh, so terrible about architecture? Do you think it was the process? And and we've talked about this many times. It's a common theme of 
what I hope to do maybe later in life as a positive impact on this world is I just think education, especially in the Western world, I don't really know much of the Eastern or Southern Hemisphere, how it rocks. Um, I just think it's so skewed because, and I don't know architecture in particular, but so many mm. places like architecture school and then being an architect, let alone running your own business as an architect, you are so different. What your professor might teach you you may like or you may like the topic of architecture, but the day-to-day process of being an architect in a firm or whatever yeah. could be 180 exactly. degrees different. It could suck or it could be better, and that's for every job. Being a teacher, which you probably learn yeah. on how to be a teacher and then actually teaching a classroom of 30 kids all day long is such a different process. Owning a gym, and we talk about this. Oh, man, I love lifting weights. Like oh, I'm going to open a gym. I get to hang out in the gym all day. Like What could be better? Like That's not the practice of running a gym that, that mm. that's not the fun part <laughs> like you're cleaning toilets you're doing a lot like you're pushing books like you're running a business um what was it about architecture that like turned you off so hard to recommend it to our billions of listeners <laughs> well honestly i think um and i as far as i know this is an international kind of issue it's just the work culture in um architecture schools is absolutely crazy just the sheer number of hours. I think there was one week where I must have clocked north of like 75, 80 hours working. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, if it's not something that you absolutely love at that point, it is going to break you. The school I was at had quite a few people drop out. It it, it It was quite a good school, produces some good work. But as you say yourself, I don't think it does tons to necessarily prepare yourself for the day-to-day of being an architect, building buildings, communicating with clients, those sorts of things, especially at the kind of more arty ones that I, um, I applied to. They tend to not really focus on the idea of actual livability up to a certain point. It's all very nice and theoretical and kind of buildings on clouds that would never stand up. Um, and I think that's fine for a certain point. And the architecture degree is so long. So I can't attest to how good it is having dropped out halfway through. I think it does get a little bit more specific and practical, but I think they could do more to actually tool you up for the industry. Yeah. I, I obviously yeah. never went to college, but I did like a, we had a, uh, like a history through architecture class. I went to a weird art high school and I loved mm. it. And I thought I wanted to be an architect. And then you just do one Google or you just think a little bit logically or I did. And I'm like, but my teacher was cool because it was an art school and, 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 and I, I just built whatever I wanted. And we had to do these little sculpt, like uh, cardboard things as our final project. And I love that. And he's like, now explain mm-hmm. the business model. And he kind of did some more applicable things to mm-hmm. it. Like, why would that stand in this economy or like little stuff? And I loved it. But I thought like when I, if I go down the path of architecture in America, I'm going to be building boxes. Uh, like you just said, yeah, like yeah. it's not going to be that cool exactly. shit that floats yeah, in the sky. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. It's, yeah. it's like I'm going to build functional boxes that make sure they have enough smoke alarms. Yeah, like that's going to be my new job, and that yeah. sounds terrible. No, totally. Well, architecture I think really taps into it there. Architecture is kind of, main... of a, a long game, too. I mean, it, it just doesn't pay off very quickly. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Financially. Yeah. Well, or, or no, even I've, I've heard it's kind of it's underpaid for about the first twenty years, and then you kind of get overpaid for the last thirty. <laughs> well, my my point is that like, um, if you're designing, you know, a logo or whatever, there's a point at which it's going to be done, and it's probably going to be in the next few weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're designing a building, 
like the drawing may be may take years to complete and then actually building it might never happen. Yeah, yeah. Or if yeah. it does happen, it could be five years, ten years, whatever, you know. I don't know if that's on like a personality or SAT or something, but I remember taking some kind of test in high school where they try to ha- help you describe how you're fulfilled. Uh-huh. And like the main ca- one of the main categories is do you like smaller jobs and seeing them finish like in a day or two? Yeah. And then we had this chat with our barber. He's like, that's what I didn't know it at the time because I still don't really know. I just like to create, but I don't know what scale. But our barber's like, yeah, I know that was me. So I get to come in with a gross head and then I f- fix a cool haircut every yeah. half hour. He's like, I'm being fulfilled every hour. And so it fits his personality perfectly. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the stuff I'm talking about with education where they don't, they don't steer you in that. Like, Oh Jim, you're good at math. Like, yeah, come be a doctor. Like, Whoa, Whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, is that fit your lifestyle? Does that fit the other things you like it? Oh, you're good at English. You're going to be a great history teacher. Come on. Like it, there's so many more factors into how to not only what you enjoy, but chances are what you enjoy, you're kind of good at, but there's a lot of positions under that umbrella that then you can succeed in and enjoy your life yeah. rather than, and again, just being good at math doesn't make you automatically go be an engineer because what if you hate the tasks that an engineer has to do day to day? Like a similar thing. You're building a bridge or an architect. Like, uh-huh. yeah, may, or maybe how many of your things get canceled and they never get built? Or if you do build it, they might not even build it in your lifetime. Yeah, you designed this freaking awesome bridge, and you spent ten years to do it, and then they they're building it as you croak, like you don't get to see your work come to fruition. Yeah, completely. Is it clearing up any on your side? There's literally nothing that we're that we're doing here that is that should cause it to chop up, but I don't know. I think it's uh, cleared up a little bit. I'll just hear myself back, and then kind of you guys every other second. But it is seeming good now. Right. Um, sorry for kind of interrupting those. Just kind of the delay on that. But I just I massively agree with you there, Mike. One of the big things of architecture is kind of the, um, as you say, you kind of end up designing boxes, and that's a massive kind of myth, kind of bogeyman about the industry. But um, a beautiful thing in graphic design is there are no building regulations. Um, I ended up going through at one point for a project, the entire building regulations for the UK for stairs. Um, and it's pretty dull. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like fun is, uh, so now you do design graphic work, illustrations. Was that something as a child? Like, again, I went to a weird art school and a lot of my friends were just really good at art. So like, the normal kid would doodle, like I would doodle in class and it would just be like smudge. And you look next door to like, shout out my boy, Justin and Will, you look, and they're doodling mid-class and you're like, that's fucking Picasso next to me. You know, like it's just insane. They're just fucking yeah. about just with a, you know, a number two pencil and you look over and they, they've shaded it and the geometry's good and the perspective good. Like everything's fixed and you're like, what the hell? You just did that in five minutes? Uh, was that something you were into or naturally kind of good at? Uh, what... Because architecture is, I think, kind of drawn into the, at least in, in America, I feel like, drawn into kind of the con- contractor engineer side when you categorize things. Mm-hmm. But it is an art in many senses. Like, there is those mm-hmm. regulations you talked about, but there it is an art. Um, but it's not yeah. as artsy or creative. As or, other things. Yeah, as like an illustrator or a or, or brand builder, which is the topic yeah. I want to get into next, which is something you've really impressed me with. Um, yeah, as a kid and stuff, were you into it or you just kind of uh, just segued over from architecture? Yeah, no, totally. I was kind of always more on the art side. I think it was that I was in a school that kind of really valued academics and architecture is definitely the most sort of academic seeming um, design degree to do. 
yeah, you can do it at Cambridge. Not that I got in, um, <laughs> but that was kind of the vibe they were going for at my school. So it was just kind of, I think I got naturally ushered down that path before I kind of realized any other way. But yeah, I was always just doodling in class. My main thing would be drawing teachers, um, just in my notebook, whatever it was, just be drawing t- the teacher at the front of the class instead of listening to them. <laughs> I, th- I think it all really started for me when uh, one of my brother's friends came back from Japan. I must have been about eight and I'd never really seen anime or manga before but they brought back like a bunch of manga and I just got to like borrow a couple of them and I got obsessed with the art style of it. It's not even something that I really watch or consume now. And I haven't drawn in that style for probably over a decade, but just trying to imitate all the panels through those things and the artistry of it and the illustration was what completely got me hooked on the art and design route. That's cool. That's cool. I've never watched anime in my life. But everyone loves it. I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the connection is, but there's like this huge anime connection yeah. not only to video game gamers, like gaming and anime aren't related in my head at all. Besides they're both animated, cartoonish, but in my head like yeah. they're so different. And then also there's a huge connection between people who work out in anime. Jim and I have interviewed tons of lifters. It is, it is huge. What is that? And like what, 20%? I don't want to make numbers. Like, say like, yeah, Dragon Ball Z really motivated me. Like what? Like that, that fucking yeah, dude? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't get it, dude. I mean, All I get of it. My They're friends jacked. who lift tend to have a massive obsession with that anime uh, particularly the powerlifters they all grew up watching these things and they said it's just that is a thing for them and every like like nationals and stuff you see people literally deadlifting in a naruto headband yeah yeah it's weird i mean i kind of I, I i'm older too probably than like the mainstay of young raw powerlifting now and so like my my shit was mutant ninja turtles and they were jacked. You know, they have a yellow stomach with a six-pack, and they had some delts and stuff. And I always thought that was cool. But not once did I ever think, when I started lifting weights in eighth grade, Ninja Turtles have never popped in my head mid-bicep curl. <laughs> not once. And even still, whatever, I don't even know, 15 years later, 17 yeah, years later, yeah. not once have I been like, I'm going to be Goku and fucking start curling out. But that's literally what, there's how many, how many companies build shirts Shaker cups, whatever, all around those themes. Uh, a lot, yeah, all of them. Maybe, maybe even more That's than huge. necessary. Um, because it seems I don't know. There's a point at which like every visual style becomes a cliche. Yeah, that too, too. And and it, no matter how many people you're appealing to, so I mean, like, like I personally, I would avoid a cliche. Even if it meant losing money, because I'm dumb, I don't know. No, I think you're like me. Like we <laughs> sometimes, we, you, I call it my hipster syndrome, where I just want to do things just because other people don't. Yeah, yeah. Or the opposite, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I am kind of that guy. I even though I don't mean to. Yeah. If the artist is really good, I'll rock with them. But I like to find the rapper first. I like to tell my friends, and then as soon as it's on the radio, I'm throwing that CD out. <laughs> I'm throwing him right in the trash. You're that guy. Yeah. Nah, he's not that cool anymore. <laughs> or the clothing. <laughs> but if it's real good, I'll still go. Like, Lil Wayne's one of them. Like, people kind of listen to Lil Wayne. I listen to all his mixtapes. And then the Carter 3 comes out, and it's all over the radio. And, and I still liked him just because he's actually good. But mm. so many rappers like that, I'm like, nah, I'm over him. Well, and I think that you want to evoke a particular style without, like, 
straight out copying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Uh, with all of it, the anime, the art, uh, which Mumby and I and Jim have had many conversations off air yeah. about, um, like being in- inspired or having references, but not referring to something, or obviously not copying something. Right. Because right. then, what's the creation in that? And then, what's the, like the true fulfillment in it? It, it, other than maybe your your bank going up, but that's I mean, trust me, I love money, but that's not what's again going back to like what really gets you going, what what really keeps you working in the long term, passion wise. Mm-hmm. I don't think that many people have passion for money, ego. They have necessity for mm-hmm. money for sure. We all have necessity for money. We all have ego for money, but there's no way you're passionate about money unless maybe you're an accountant and you really like the idea of the business or economy you know like that's a different passion though because you like the system of monies yeah and money's a dick measuring thing too though and i got a small cock (laughs) completely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but the part of the process that we went through with you in developing our stuff was um uh, you basically interviewed us and gave us a questionnaires and things to go through and, and, and took the ideas of the things that we liked and things that resonated with us. And then um, you gave us like three different options that were not even, there was really not a ton of overlap among them. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, we pulled those out and we were looking through them and it's like, well, what we came up with isn't exactly any of this. It leans toward toward one thing, but it doesn't. It isn't. Yeah. You know, it isn't a direct lift off of anything. And um, mm. in the improv world, we call that A to C, where you take A yeah. and you there's an intermediary step that nobody sees, and you get to C. And people C resonates A, but it doesn't. But it isn't quote A. I yeah, guess. Yeah. Exactly. Because you, as you do things physically, like, and Mumby's helped us with all this, for those that are listening, he's helped us with the physical um, kind of shaping branding of it, uh, although he's not here, and helped us with the clothing branding shaping of it. And although it's been a lot because they are two separate entities in a lot of way of what they're, two separate entities representing the same thing. Good Company is kind of the driver for all of it, but the aesthetic is different. The story's the same. Um, and that's where I want to kind of dive down. And maybe the UK is different, but I can't think of like a degree or a school here that would kind of teach you about what the process is that you put us through or continually help us because it's a con- like branding, I guess. And that's kind of like, not that that's a new term, um, but it's just a more relevant term in business nowadays, I feel like, because people's stories are so based on the individual with social media, they can tell more stories yeah. rather than it used to just be Coca-Cola. Um, I think Disney's a great example, obviously. Like like Mickey Mouse has been Mickey Mouse, the voice, the look, and maybe the animation's gotten a little bit better. But like they, you could probably go interview them, and they probably have books and books about Mickey Mouse history almost in a way, mm-hmm. which is this huge story to this mm. top brand that is Disney. Um, because the degree or, or the skills you need are obviously an eye. You need an eye for something. You need an eye for what looks good and what matches the tone. Uh, you need some kind of art or creation, whether you're drawing it yourself or, or you and I have collabed on most of our clothing where I do something really yeah. ugly and send it to you or I describe it really shittily <laughs> to you, but I have this thing in my head yeah. and I'm trying to get you to make this thing in my head. One of us have to have a, a lot of vision. Uh, the other one yeah. would be like the branding marketing part of it, which is like, yeah, marketing, I guess we call it. And then the other one is like storytelling. 
um, storytelling, mm-hmm. and then you mix that all together, and I guess you call it branding, or I don't know what you call it, but how did you learn some of that, and what got you more interested in that? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you don't just like drawing. You don't just like doing that. You kind of like this ever-moving story branding deal. Yeah, no, completely. I think that's uh, that's very fair to say. Um, I do try to consider myself a brand designer as opposed to just a graphic designer or somebody who builds brands. And I think the main difference um, in everything you're saying, because a lot of people have misconceptions about what a brand is. Um, they think it might be a logo, a trademark, a slogan, a tagline, an advertising campaign. But at the end of the day, a brand is really just um, the consumer's gut feel about your business product or service. Um, I think it's as simple as that. So that's why so much of our chat at the beginning of it, that kind of informed the design was about what's your audience like, who are these people and the wonder of working within um, content creators as I almost exclusively do is that it's quite easy for the people to actually interact and get to know their audience. And uh, as a result of that, you can kind of build brands that actually resonate a bit more with them and you get continuous feedback. Cause if something you made was like, absolutely awful you're going to find out about that in your next youtube video in the comments but if it was really good you see that as well so it's just there's a constant kind of feedback loop which for bigger companies trying to sell beverages is a lot harder yeah yeah maybe even impossible and obviously they have analytics but coca-cola comes out with a new flavor every grocery store is kind of buying it regardless Mm -hmm. and yeah they'll get word back Mm -hmm. that it's kind of going off the shelves but i guess you're right there's more factors why it may or may not come off the shelf and labeling Mm. and branding and price and all that plays a role and it plays a role in our world as well um but it's so direct obviously the business model business to business direct to consumer is part of cutting out that bridge um but you're 100 percent right beyond instagram analytics Something that I've prided myself on as a creator is I've answered every single DM that's not fucking weird uh, for <laughs> 10 years. That's God, Where do you draw that line? I, I have drew answered some weird ones too, just to like... <laughs> I got the first uh, uh, inquiry if I have an OnlyFans. That made me feel really good. Oh, that right. was the, within the last two weeks. They asked you, if you, I had one. Uh, get, any any uh, requests for game worn underwear yet? So I've I've had a couple. I I think probably five over ten years, which probably isn't that good of a ratio. It means I'm not that sexy. Uh, offers for my clothing, <laughs> underwears and socks. Um, so I'm very low on the totem pole of sex. I've never appeal. experienced that at all. So you, you yeah. got that over me. Yeah, for sure. it, it, but it, but most of most of them are very nice. Most of them are very normal. And so uh, point being is that beyond just analytics, saying this many boys follow you, this many girls, this age, this maybe country, um, I've interacted with all of them. Jim and I have done tons of expos. We've met a lot of podcast yeah. listeners. Uh, comments whether people are trolling or whatever you can get a vibe of your community and so you do you really have a connection with what you're building because the truth be told without the audience without you guys without all of it that none of this is what it is right there's falling on deaf ears we can't build a podcast and we can't build <laughs> yeah. the gym and we can't sell yeah. clothing if no one's listening to what we're throwing out there right this is true um so so the bear 
is the thing that mm-hmm. is is resonating the the most for us at this point. You're telling me Kyle's uh, mom and aunt uh, came over last night and brought us some food, and we're just going nuts. They're like, "This thing, who came up with this thing?" And they're just pointing to all the samples around because my house is goddamn tornado. I'll send you a picture <laughs> later, mommy. My house is a tornado of shit, and they're pointing to all the bears, Excellent. and they're like, "This is it," and we're like, "Yeah, we think it's pretty cool too." Did you have any yeah. sense of this at the time? Like, in terms of how people would respond to the bear? Yeah, yeah. Look, we think I, we I, struck I mean, gold. No for it. We think we struck gold, all right? That's what we're saying. Yeah, and we're yeah. trying to give you the credit, all right? So soak it up and tell <laughs> us if you saw it before or not. Hey, so, well, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, I was trying to tap into what I thought. Um, your audience would like and often with creators um what the kind of i think where it differs differs with big companies is that a lot of the creators um likes and wants and attributes kind of align quite similarly with their audience which is why the kind of audience will then vibe with that creator in the first place so just kind of trying to judge from your tone and for some of the research done of your audience what the bear would be um it just kind of like it came together yeah, it just kind of quite naturally, really. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super happy with it. I think it looks nice and clean. I think it looks great and all the clothing, everything we do. How do you do some of that with like, whether you be your ego or your emotion or your brain or your gut feeling, whatever you want to call it, or the very, excuse me, the variations of them all? Because you've, you've, mm. you've talked to me and, and we can edit this out if I say something wrong, but <laughs> you've, you've worked in kind of like uh, the bar industry and the hotel industry yeah. and regular business. You've worked in clothing. You've worked with YouTubers. You've worked with quite a – I mean, building something for a hotel company is way different than what we're building, right? It's all yeah. so different. And Completely. maybe you enjoy one more than the other because I think – I don't want to put quote in, in your mouth either, but I think you've watched our podcast or YouTube or something. That's how you even – that's how we even met, I think. Through some yeah, kind of social absolutely. media. Yeah. And so you obviously like what's – you like lifting. You're a lifter. Point being, yeah, how do you know when you draw something? I, I feel like some artists treat some things as work and some as like babies or plants. Like how do you like know mm-hmm. like this is awesome. I really like this. This is going to do well. Or I just drew this because Jim told me to draw this and here it is, Jim. Now give me my money. You know what I mean? Like, is there a thought process <laughs> yeah, yeah. or does that naturally happen? Or does, do you know going into the project, like, I really love this. Like, I guess a passion project mm. or an item. Like, Jim, I think we all kind of saw the bear. Mm. We're like, yeah, that's what we're going for. This is going to hit. Do you get a feeling like that? Um, or do you just kind of draw, send it off, and kind of let it do its thing? Like, to, to an extent, um, certain projects become... Uh, I feel like I've become really, really emotionally connected to, really, really hyped for. Um, this was definitely one of them. Um, but generally speaking, I, I will try to detach myself from it because I try and see myself more of a designer than an artist. And um, the where, where I draw that line is that design often serves um, quite an explicit function, often a commercial function in what I do. So again, I'm always just trying to think about like the audience and the end user and are they going to like this? how they respond to it and sometimes literally when i'm designing something i will write down the attributes to the consumer audience and just put on a poster note on my pc just so i can always look at that whilst i'm doing it so that i don't kind of get my ego wrapped up in it and say what do i think will look cool because that doesn't really matter if i'm creating something for you and your audience but as you say um this is i generally try to work with an industry is that i have um spent a lot of time within 
uh, in terms of just consuming content. So my own likes are fairly aligned with that of others. So that definitely helps. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I would imagine working with us or me, we try to like feed ideas, mm. bounce ideas. I'm blowing up your poor phone. You probably hate me all the time just with shit, whether it's my own ideas or just shit that I think is cool that I've seen. Like, yo, check out this colorway yeah. of this graffiti I saw. Um, whereas working for like a mm. hotel or whatever or even a restaurant or whatever, and I consider myself a creative. I don't know. And maybe that's a bad title because everyone thinks I'm not creative. But I like to think I have some kind of art in my brain. I just don't know how to draw well. And... Uh, mm. You know what I mean? I have some. I have an imagination. Mm. We'll leave it there. Where some yeah, people, definitely. I would assume you work with, may not. Where I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like, kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a cool analogy, and I don't have one. I'm trying to like throw you an underhand pitch, and then you get to bash it out the park for us. Baseball reference, American. Sorry, yeah, Mambi, that's all I had. I'm trying to cross the ball no, across the pitch, and you're trying to head it in with that beautiful head of hair. <laughs> And uh, yeah, where, where if you maybe work for a hotel, you're may, maybe dealing with more mm. collared folks who are just kind of like, we... Bean counters. Yeah, we just need to sell this product. Give me a picture to sell this iced tea I have right here. Is that kind of true? Exactly, and- yeah. Yeah, um, I think definitely to an extent, which is why I've kind of tended to drop some more of the kind of more serious, as you say, kind of like collar-wearing clients um, in favor for more content creators or just things really intrinsically linked with industries that um, I enjoy. The the hotel job that I did, um, can't mention the name of the hotel, um, but it's a multinational, um, international hotel brand. Yeah. And yeah, per, per design brief, I'd open up because this hotel brand had multiple other brands underneath it. I'd be sent um, several kind of brand guideline documents, um, which I send out to clients as well. But these ones for these huge sort of corporate entities are about 300 pages long. So you kind of have to read that whole thing to try and understand where their brand is at before you design anything or step foot. Mm. Um, and again, yeah, it's, it's, it, there's not as much of a collaborative process, which would be the underhand pitch analogy, I guess, um, which, is, which is what I love so much about working with you guys and with other content creators is that everybody you know, picking up a uh, camera, whether you have somebody else do it for you now, but the fact that everybody kind of started their channels doing that yeah. and um, posting it, it's inherently creative. Yeah. So it's quite easy to collaborate with other creatives, I think. Uh, I'm afraid that Zoom is going to cut us off here because the, the service that I'm actually paying Time for limit. didn't work. And so the one I'm not paying for is going to is going to cut me off at, we're at 30, almost 38, and it gives me 40 minutes. So... Um, where can people find you if they uh, would like to check out uh, your work and uh, potentially like hire you to do something? Plug away, kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram um, at Munby underscore. That's M-U-N-B-Y underscore. Uh, that'd be great. You can come hit me up there. Give me some likes, all that stuff. That'd be nice. And maybe... They can meet you at Third Street Barbell in person one day. One day. Shake yeah, your hand. Absolutely. I'll be there. I'll get there. Awesome. You'll see me there. That'd, that'd be fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, brand new podcast every single Wednesday. We appreciate you so, so, so much. Oh, we got to drop a secret. Oh, yeah, quick. What do I say? I don't know. Uh, th- Thursday. Which is tomorrow. The first line of many good company 
accessories is coming on board. So what you guys know is we're trying to build a community. We believe in doing things with like-minded individuals and people uh, that we love and that we care about. I don't care what I'm doing. I care about who I'm doing it with. And so we're coming out with a line of accessories uh, that you would do with your family, friends, and loved ones. And the very first one is our first Oktoberfest beer mug. Or juice mug. Or, or bear or, mug. Or bear mug. Yes. Uh, so check it out. 3sb.co. It's live for you, podcast listeners, and my Twitch fan before it comes out anywhere else. Uh, if you're on the email list, you'll get it. And then it goes to the rest of the world on Friday. So check it out. 3sb.co. Give us a rating and review. I appreciate you. Third Street Barbell on Instagram. I'm Solomon Mike. Find me wherever. <laughs> I'm at the Jim McD and all the social medias. This show is 50% facts where... Percent is a word, and 50 is just numbers, and I'll update the website at some point because my hands are full right now. Yeah, my, we're my, in a lot my, of chaos, My hands kids. are full, my plate's full, my bags are packed. <laughs> and know, I'm ready to go. I'm but, ready to go. What song is that? I'm leaving know. on a jet plane. Leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. And on that note, we're out of here.